Welcome everyone to Little Tokyo 2's new podcast series from startup to grow up. We offer short, sharp 20 minute overviews and interviews of successful founders, as well as 40 minute extended founder interviews with successful people who have graduated from LT2. I'm your host, founder and CEO of LT2, Jock Fairweather. Morning, Jason. Thanks for being here. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Jock. It's a pleasure to be here. So, I'm keen to know and talk about three things.、Uh, one is what you were doing before Smart Books and Stark Naked Numbers.、Uh, then, I want to know about Smart Books and I want to talk about the journey you've been on because, in my opinion, I think you've been with us or around me for almost four years, maybe ish. Since day one. Day one? There you are. We moved in when the, when the HQ was rubble. Legit. Legit day one, perfect. And then、uh, now, since the launch of Stark Making Numbers, I saw that you were signing books yesterday. I better get a signed one anyway. You can just sign it right now. Either way, in Stark Making Numbers, you mention、um, about the journey you had prior to Smart Books Online and some difficulties you had. I'm, I'm keen to hear about that. It's pretty raw in the book, or at least the first versions that I read. So, can you tell me a bit about that, what happened, etc.? Absolutely. So, I actually want to go further back from before my career in accounting was going back to the decision as to why I decided to become an accountant. So, when I was growing up, I came from a very middle class, traditional kind of Australian family. My parents were not business owners, they were just, my dad was in the Air Force as a public servant. My mum always just worked odd jobs,、uh, ranging from cleaning、uh, to waiting tables. And so, from a young age, we didn't have a, a great deal of financial wealth, I would say, but we、mm. had a really great lifestyle.、Um, and what I could see, though, was I, I saw there were always rich kids at school, and, and getting to know the, the people with a bit of money, you could understand how their lifestyle or what, they, what their possibilities were and how different they were to my, my current circumstances. And、mm. so, from that age, I was actually genuinely interested in the power of money、mm. and how money can limit lifestyle but also unlock. Freedom. For sure. And so I, my first delve into personal finance was Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki.、Mm. And I still lean on that book and I actually reference that book within my book, Stark Naked Numbers. And that whole, the power of, of that book really helped me understand or frame what money was. And, and it was, it's not about you know, buying all these luxury goods. It's energy. It, it's energy, it's freedom, right? And to me,、yeah. it's like Tony Anthony Robbins has a, a saying. Um, working, you know, money, it's like choose, choose to work because you want to, not because you have to.、Yes. Right? And money can give you that opportunity.、Yeah. So,、uh, from a young age, I was interested in money,、um, and naturally, I wanted to invest, right? So, I bought my, well, I tried to buy my first shares at the age of 14.、Um, Virgin Blue was、cool. IPOing <laughs> by the ASX, and I was a prospectus under my mum's name because I was, you know, had to be 18 at the、yeah. time. And so I got this bloated prospectus. It was like this giant, I don't know if you've read a prospectus what, before. What do they, they start as?、Uh, it's literally like this bright, bright, yellow,、uh, bright red, like really flashy logo.、Yeah. It's, like, it's like three kilos, but really heavy, and it's just full of crap. And when they, when they float it, how much? 
remember. Uh, like I can't remember the numbers at the time because again, I wasn't a numbers guy. Yeah, right. I didn't. I have no idea whether I should invest in this company. Virgin's just a cool brand. Exactly. Richard yeah. Branson, awesome <laughs> dude. We traveled frequently, yeah. so like, yeah, I got those things going for me. So I looked at it, and so I read that you know all informed investors should look at the numbers. Yeah. So I flicked to the the financial section of the prospectus. Yeah. And I, all I saw was like this P and L balance sheet, all these like notes. And I was like, whoa, cool. <laughs> what, what does any of this mean? And so I spent my nights researching, you know, this is dial-up days of internet. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd probably spend, you know, half an hour to five hours, depending on the internet connection nice. speed at the time, trying to understand what these numbers were selling, right? And I, I couldn't, couldn't get it. I had no idea. The dial-up internet speed probably gave you time to reflect, though. 100%. Rather than just jam more info on your face. Well, I think the real rally was I was trying to download five songs on LimeWire oh. <laughs> at the same time. But, so I was trying to research all these you know, financial metrics and what investors look for in numbers. And to be honest, it was one in one ear, out the other. It was all jargon, complete. I just couldn't gauge the numbers. So then uh, I kept researching. I learned about Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett's like, you know, this really successful investor. So everyone I was speaking to said, oh, read about Warren Buffett. So I read about Warren Buffett. And again, to be honest, he spoke in tongues as well. Like mm. He's super old school, very, very dry in, in the way he talks. But there was one quote that resonated with me, and that was, accounting is a language of business. Mm. And so that was the day I said, well, if I really want to take this numbers thing seriously, True. I'm going to become an accountant. Yeah. Like, you know, because they're numbers people, right? And so that was the day I decided to become an accountant. Fast forward kind of seven years, I, you know, I spent over a decade in a corporate firm yes. uh, dealing with a range of businesses, ranging yeah. from small business, family-owned run businesses to ASS-listed companies yeah. and even government. Um, and one of the things I saw was that all the greatest businesses under, uncover all the flashy branding and all the marketing you get to see the numbers and the numbers don't lie. Mm. And one of the things that you can see is you can understand the financial disciplines or the habits that separated the successful mm. businesses from the ones that were poor performing. Mm. And a lot of those principles and tactics I brought along with me and I learned and actually tried to implement in my own business. And so the reason why I started SBO now, SmartBooks, was two reasons. The first one was if I really wanted to build true wealth of my own, I knew I had to start a business. And starting a business was always, was the reason why I got into accounting was to learn the numbers to, to become a business owner. Mm. However, when you're stuck in that corporate journey, I don't know if you've worked in a, in a, a big four accounting nah. firm, it is a rat race, man. <laughs> it's literally a rat race. And it's everyone is just trying to get to the top. Have you met me partner. before? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> as I get smarter, my clothing style gets worse. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to dress like you. Now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so bad. <laughs> like, Four years ago, I was wearing suits every day. Now I'm wearing t-shirts yeah, yeah. and sneakers. Um, but the corporate journey is literally, it's a marathon. And everyone's goal is to get to senior advisor, then mm. senior advisor to manager, manager to partner, partner to owner. And it's this long, long journey. It's full of like red tape, bureaucracy, all the crap that you hear about in large corporations. It's mm. that 10 x because mm. you're dealing with accountants. <laughs> So I thought, well, if I'm going to give this, do this proper, I'm going to have to start myself. And so um, I fixed we started SBO um, four years later and haven't looked back. Mm. So when you first started SBO, I mean, it was kind of like, it seemed like you solo, you do the accounting slash bookkeeping for kind of anyone. And today it seems like from, from the outside that you have almost found a specialization as such in more so startups at a, in a certain sort of revenue bracket 
and because your partner is Rowan Grant from Full Circle slash Blackbird, you're able to actually do valuations and a whole bunch of things as well that I couldn't see or I don't really know any other accounting groups that can do anything like that. So how did, how has the journey progressed since you had day one and HQ shithouse rubble <laughs> to today in the Capitol boardroom? What I love about being in business and what about what I love about just making decisions generally is that you always start with an assertion. And that assertion might be, this is the problem we're gonna solve and we're gonna throw resources at it, we're gonna commit time to proving that assertion. And at the time, when we first started, our assertion was coming from the worldview of an accountant. So at that time, we thought bookkeeping, as in you know, your financial processing data, was poorly done by a lot of people, a highly fragmented industry. A lot of accountants, I was an accountant, was very frustrated with referring work to bookkeepers because you just didn't know what the quality was like. So mm. we started Smart Books Online, very literally yeah. doing online bookkeeping yeah. for smart people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we started with that. And the assertion at the time was people don't care about their books. Yeah. All they want is some face to center face yeah. where there's just going to be a website with no people in there. People are going to upload their zero file or yeah. an accounting file. There'll be widgets and robots yeah. and you know people in the background crunching your data. Yeah. Every month you get an email to say, yeah. hey, your accounts are done and everyone will be happy. And just don't let the, whatever it is, don't let the tax office be calling me. Exactly. Yeah. Complete, completely wrong, right? And when we reflecting on those within three months, realize that, okay, this is not going to work. And the reason why is we asked ourselves the question, will I outsource my own accounts to some faceless interface? Mm. No, absolutely bloody not. Because mm. your numbers and your finance function is the most intimate mm. part of your entire business. Mm. You know, I see what expenses that Jock Fairweather is putting through his mm. own account. <laughs> <laughs> bulk, bulk coffees and <laughs> breakfasts at Jimmy's on the Mall. <laughs> and maybe other things, but yeah. <laughs> we'll keep that between us. So yeah. we know all these things, right? And so there's a high degree of trust, right? People, and finance is a very sensitive thing. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't talk about their numbers. And so we figured, well, we have to go full opposite. We need to be high touch. We need to be high trust and we need to show our face and, and, and be basically but that's the us. that's the opposite reason as to why you started it which was to be online and be able to scale it 100 right? yeah. and to an extent we have what what's meant is our average fee that we charge so we're a SaaS based business model so we charge a monthly retainer for the work that we do um what's what's been fascinating to look at our, our numbers is that our ARPU or average revenue per month per client has 10x literally since day one yeah um, and our target number of clients has reduced yeah. because we're getting more quality value yeah. clients and they're worth more to us. And to be honest, it's probably more of a, a more sustainable long-term model yeah. as opposed to the churn and burn um, businesses that you all are both familiar with. Yes, that's right. And so some of the valuation stuff and some of the more like startup-oriented uh, books that I've seen you do for companies we're trying to help raise why have you gotten into that sort of zone? So my background in accounting is, is corporate advisory. So we did a lot of mergers and acquisitions, a lot of financial due diligence, um, a lot of financial modeling. And although we had that skill set, that capability in our wheelhouse, we never really offered it as a service because mm. we're so laser focused on just trying to solve the first problem, which was accurate financial data for yeah. businesses. Um, after about five or six times being asked by six different people mm. to say, hey, can you help me with this? 
X just due diligence, or yes. can you help me do this financial model? Yes. Uh, we figured, well, if people are asking for it, it's probably mean that you should. Yeah, be doing it. It should be a business, and yeah. it pains me because I've spent so much time trying to market. You know, something else. Something else, which <laughs> wasn't, I thought, aligned to the vision. Yeah. But then we just people throwing work at us for the other stuff, and so. But at, at the time, they're probably the smart people, though. Exactly. There's other six, exactly. and they're the ones we want to work yeah. with. So um, we saw that as we initially we thought it was a distraction, but then we kind of broadened our perspective and saw that it's an opportunity because yeah. it enables us to help a business through their entire life cycle mm. of growth. Yeah, that's awesome. So, what is the plan for SBO? I mean, there's how many of you now? Uh, so we've got a team of 10 in, this, in Australia and then a couple of teams in India and the Philippines. Yes. So I'd say probably 20 plus now. Yes. Yeah. And so what's the what's the goal? What are you trying to achieve with SBO? Yeah, that's a great question. So the goal is we have a 40-year vision. 40? Yeah. Holy. We think very long term. And I think... You'll be like 70-something. Yeah, <laughs> And... Initially, I tell everyone this, initially the goal when we first started the business was to scale and exit the yeah. company as most yeah. finance background, most startups, yeah. <laughs> raising money and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and exiting. Um, so at the beginning, that was very much the goal. So we'll you know, get in, get into, be first mover into the space, scale heaps of clients, scale our revenue, and then roll up and sell it to a big four firm. Yeah. Right? Um, probably two years in, we decided that, no, I actually enjoy what I'm doing. And yeah. if I was going to sell it, I'll probably start another business. Yeah, and that's right. the business I'll start will probably be in the same space Similar. that I'm in right yeah. now. So yeah. why don't we not sell and yeah. choose to choose profit over growth yes. and grow in our own terms. Yes. And, and freedom. And freedom, 100%, which is mm. why I got into the business right at yes. first, going back to Tony Robbins. So it all goes full circle. Yes. Right? And so, and I think that just adjustments, so we had a five-year time frame where we had like these unrealistic, crazy growth targets I was, you know, the entrepreneur life, entrepreneur life. Yeah. Have, live, waking up with anxiety every morning totally. to say that, crap, I need to sell two customers today. Yeah. And if I don't, we're, we're going to be short, right? Yeah. And we're not going to hit our goal. Yeah. That living with that constant stress and anxiety is it's not hardcore. healthy for anyone. Nah. But as soon as you say, hey, listen, instead of five, what's years, the point say of that years. goal? Yeah. Exactly. What's the reason? And yeah. it was reason was because of ego, yeah. or because we felt that we need to scale the company yeah. and sell it, right? It's ego, dude. So we every said, time. well. Set yourself 40 years. Yeah. That's okay. 40 years is a long time. Now it's so much more chilled. Yes. Yes. We can control our growth. We choose the clients we want to work and with. And in 40 years, you'll be enormous. Yeah, exactly. If you want to be. If you, and if you want to be, exactly. And, you know, compound growth is, is a powerful thing and it's mm. undervalued. And, you know, if you just, even if you grow at 3% month on month. Hashtag Warren Buffett. That, exactly. It's, yeah. It is the hockey stick. Yeah. Over a four-year term as opposed to three-year yeah. term, which is crazy. Actually, the best thing I read, I've read all of Warren Buffett's books, not that I follow a single thing that he says. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> I can just make magic, apparently. Anyway, one of the things he said that I really liked, and I, I don't think it's it's good as, you can't use this as an excuse, and I can't remember the total context, I'm not a detail guy, clearly, but one of the companies that he invested in, it was like, a company that had been gone for quite, going for quite some time. It was super well known. They just made some sort of mistake. And let's say they were in a $10 million hole. I can't actually remember the number. doesn't matter. But he called all of his investors and he said, you know, the legacy this company has, the following it's got, the core that it's built, all these things, you can't lose it for $10 bucks. We just can't lose all of that. And there, I think, again, this is not applicable to everyone, but I do see companies that, I truly believe in that have made 
mistakes here and there that just need help out of a hole. I, I've done it. I've done it a couple of times. And you cut, and I think the value long term of that company is so much more than just the 10 mil that it, that it needed. I really love that perspective, and I think it's sort of in line with what you said around the 40 year kind of thing. You might make a massive mistake. I don't know what it might be. Mm. And if you truly are building a brand rather than a set of products, and you've got this core following and vision and meaning, then you know the 10 mil or the 10 grand or whatever it is to get you out of the hole, I think is absolutely worth it. 100%. And if you look at a time frame of spending over 40 years and say you have hiccups at the 10th year, you see that, oh, this is just a, it's just a, a speed bump at, yeah. at the, the quarter mile of yeah. the marathon running. Yeah. Um, which, if you look at all, take a step back in a long-term perspective, it gives you that, that patience and it gives you perspective. Mm. I think too much entrepreneurs where we're operating in trenches every day, mm. we're just grinding, we're trying to make payroll, we're just trying to do the daily things and, yeah. and uh, not often enough we do we step back and actually um, look at the house that we've built, look at the business that we've built and yeah. actually be proud of what we've done yeah. and know that yes, there's a long way ahead of us but it's okay, we, we'll fight through it and we'll keep going. How many of the guys that you know or girls that are truly nailing it have done it within 20 years? Like basically none. I mean, there's the lucky ones but all the guys I know, super high net worth, like worth 100 mil plus, let's say, yeah. I think the least one of them has worked on those same one companies 25 years. Yep. The most I know is 57 years. What I love about business is nowadays everyone's like, hey, your business is worth nothing if you don't have a website, you don't have a social media following. You drive around like the industrial areas yeah. of Brisbane and you look at all these like crappy, shitty warehouses and all these old trucks and things. For sure. Oh, what? Like, what a crap business. Mate, those guys have been around for 30 years for plus. For sure. Highly likely intergenerational, yeah. so they've gone through succession. And they're probably more widely profitable generating free cash flow and and returns to their investors rather than any startup or any small business in, in the city. My dad's been running his company for 56 years. He still faxes people. Yeah. Fax and call only. <laughs> True, true, and That's, he would have a lot more money than anybody listening to this. It's awesome, right? Yeah. And so when you when you really see that, you yeah. think, oh, okay, wow, like for sure. it's and you know, they've been around for a long time. So yeah. I think that the the tenure of a business is a reflection of how robust the business totally. is. Totally, and itself. and the experience that yeah. original founder has, like he would know every in and out of everything ever in that industry, 100%. and that's so invaluable. And that's what's exciting because uh, now we're only fourth year in business. Yeah. And I know you're a yeah. fairly young business owner as well. You know, we've got a lifetime of learning ahead totally. of us. And you know, who knows what could be 10, 20, 30 years from now. Totally. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So, Stark Naked Numbers, your new book, Uncover Your Financials, Unlock Your Cash, and Unleash Your Profits. Uh, I was lucky enough to be one of the people that sort of got the different chapters as they were released you did this really interesting thing where you kind of got a core group of people that were able to review almost chapter by chapter give feedback give feedback on the name give feedback on everything i love that uh, i'm keen to keen to know where do we get them what am i going to learn from it what else i mean if anyone is on linkedin you also post things on medium and so on but jason andrews he's like I'm so impressed. I think you're a better writer than you are an accountant, but that's fine. <laughs> tell us, tell us about Stark Naked Numbers. So I wrote Stark Naked Numbers, which is my my first book and probably hopefully the first of many, to really 
the, the, the mission of the book is to change the worldview of accounting. So I think that a lot of founders that I work with and a lot of business owners that I work with don't really respect or pay attention enough to their financials. And I think two reasons. I think the first reason is that there's a lot of smoke and mirrors and a lot of hype when it comes to entrepreneurship nowadays. There's a lot of uh, vanity metrics that people talk about, and I'll use an example, right? So when you, you know, read TechCrunch or, or VentureBeat or any other, you know, the media publications of startups, um, you'll see headlines of these great hyper-growth, super whiz-bang companies, you know, talking about how much capital they've raised. Losing bulk money. Or how much headcount, or how many staff they've hired, or what's their revenue growth as a percentage. Mm. Now, raising money is not an indicator of success. Right, there are plenty of companies that raise buckloads of money, and it's probably the opposite. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's almost you've given away part of your company almost because you couldn't do it. Because you couldn't do it, right? Also, don't remember the last time anyone made a song and dance because their bank loan was approved. Right? <laughs> yeah, equity is just a source of funding, right? No different to the bank loan, right? Yeah. So take that. Yeah. Employee headcount, number of employees that you had is not an indicator of success. In, case, in fact, you can have the opposite effect yeah. because you just have. Heaps of people have, that have no idea what they're doing. So it tells Traverse WhatsApp story. Yes. Yeah. So WhatsApp, what they sell, what, what has like eight staff or something? Something like, billion. Each each staff member is worth 345 million or some rubbish like that. Insane. 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 Mm. And the third one is revenue growth as a percentage, right? It's easy to say you've grown a thousand percent revenue growth. From if zero. dollar <laughs> to a thousand dollars, right? All vanity metrics. <laughs> So what really matters when it comes to building a successful long-term business is profitability and free cash flow, yeah. right? You need to generate your own cash flow in the form of profits. Yeah. And that's the only way you can do it. You can get, you can get, of course, you can borrow money from banks and investors, but they're also very short-term strategy. Both of them want their money back eventually. Mm. So I think we need to go back to the core of mm. what it means to build a financially successful business. Mm. And that goes down to the numbers. Mm. And so that's the reason, one of the reasons why I wrote it. The second was I wanted to start the conversation about finance and accounting. So I think there's a lot of thought gurus, thought leaders and gurus on the internet, like Ty Lopez and all these guys about, you know, Facebook hacks and all these ways to, to crush your sales. But there wasn't really anything there for entrepreneurs to learn about their numbers. Mm. And, and so I asked myself, why isn't there? Um, number one, accounting is boring. Mm. So most people think, oh, God. Like what, what content is there for entrepreneurs to learn about their numbers? Mm. Antiquated university textbooks. Um, doing it is boring, but boring. reading your numbers and analyzing is really interesting, I think. Yeah, I, and me too. Obviously, we share the same perspective, ah. but I think some people don't ex get exposed to that world because mm. they're either too busy trying to make payroll or mm. they're too busy doing other things. So mm. I really wanted to write a, a book that really showed people the opportunity and, and the stories that your that numbers can tell you. Mm. It's awesome, man. Well, oh, you didn't finish. Where do we get it? Oh, yes. So well, we're available um, on Amazon. Yeah. Um, just go to starknakednumbers.com and you'll see links there to buy the book. Amazon, Amazon. Australia. Uh, everything. Global. Amazon everything. Yes. Awesome. They're everywhere. Very good. I love it. Thanks so much for your time, dude. You're a legend. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Joe. Cheers, bro. And that's it for another week with our podcast series from startups to grow ups. If you enjoyed that, you can find out more about Little Tokyo 2 on www.littletokyo2.com and you can find more of our podcasts on soundcloud.com forward slash Little Tokyo 2. Thank you and speak to you next week.